0: Good morning, good morning, good morning. Welcome. Hi, everybody. I hope you guys are doing amazing Uh, on this beautiful, beautiful Sunday morning. We are talking about getting in the game getting in the game, being on God's team, being on the field, playing our position, serving the Lord. And we just talked about the big picture things about God's team and the two kingdoms, the scatterers and the gatherers. God's team gathers together. So we must be doing gathering together and then going out and reaching the world. It's what we do for the kingdom of God. But it's also vacation Bible school here at Burlington Christian Church, and we're talking about being God's treasured possession, God's very special, treasured possession. And everyone, God looks at the whole world, and we are all precious and we are special to Him. And so in this VBS, I am this week. I am I am Indiana Johnny, and so I've got my hat on, and I got my awesome VBS treasured T-shirt on because we are all treasured. Yes, we are all treasured. In First Peter uh, chapter two, verse nine, Peter says, "But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation." A people acquired for a possession. God loves us. He created us in his image. We wandered away and he sent Jesus to buy us back. We are his when we come back to to him in a relationship with Jesus Christ. And so treasured possessions are special things. They're things that we hold on to. God holds on to us, he wants us all to be saved. And so do you got anything in your life that you would consider to be a treasured possession that's special to you, very special thing to you? Maybe something somebody handed down to you? I I can tell you this, probably the first thing we don't think about is our cars, our houses, or our money. When we think about a special treasure, we think about something that has sentimental value that has value beyond money. In fact, money can't even touch it. Like our children are our special possession. They are our kids. They belong to us and God has given them to us to take care of them. And so special possessions are, are are the biggest and the greatest things in our world, in our life. And and for God, it's not about stuff, it's not about things, it's not about the Rocky Mountains or the Grand Canyon or the Niagara Falls or all these cool places that he created that are his. His special possession is you and me, it's people. And that's pretty cool, isn't that? The prophet Malachi, or I like to call him Malachi, my Italian... Uh, Gumbadi is uh, in, in chapter 3, verse 17, he says these words. Look what he says. They will be mine, says the Lord, in that day when I make up my treasured possession. I will spare them just as in compassion a father spares his son who serves him. And so God considers us very special. He is going to save us. He is going to spare us and in in our relationship with Jesus, we are going to find redemption and salvation. verse 18, he says, and you will again see the distinction between the righteous and the wicked, two teams, the gatherers of God, the, the ones that come together in Jesus, and the scatterers, who are team Satan, everything else and everyone else, and between those who serve the Lord, serve God, and those Who do not. That's a a clear distinction between these two teams. But God, in these two verses, declares that we are His. He's going to spare us, and that there's a difference between these two awesome teams that we are fighting to stay on in this world, in the kingdom of God, as we live each day. It's that simple. So God's treasured people are those that are members of God's special team and everyone here's the thing everyone is invited and everyone is welcome to be a part of God's team if you want every tribe every nation every color every race no matter if you're young or old or tall or small none of that matters everyone is welcome to join God's team to be on God's team well today today when When you're in the game, when we're talking about getting in the game, as a treasured possession of God's on the field, in the world, serving the Lord, serving our Father, a treasured possession, or when you're in the game, you are willing, as a member of the team, to take one for the team. That's what God's people do. They take one for the team. What does that mean? What does that mean to take one for the team? Well, it means a lot of things. Means uh, that you sacrifice yourself and your wants and your wishes and your things for the good of somebody else, for other people. It's not about you, it's about others. It's about helping others and giving up your your own rights. It's not what can I get for me, like this world tends to be right now. It's like, what do, we, what do we deserve? What do we get? What is ours? What's mine? That's the way the world is thinking right now. It's all about me, mine, and what I can get for, for us. That is not taking one for the team. That's being selfish. That's not thinking about unity. That's not thinking about being a team player for mankind or for even the country in any way. It's a selfish mentality that we are seeing lived out in this world right now, especially in our country. Who do we know that took one for the team? Or What does it look like to take one for the team? The apostles, remember each of them, most all of them, were martyred for the gospel. They, They died for the cause of Christ getting us the word of God. They died passing the word of God on to you and to me. They took one for the team. The prophets were all killed because of their faith in God and because of what they were saying for the Lord as they were trying to sh- declare and proclaim the truths of God's word. They took one for the team. Remember, Stephen in the book of Acts took one for the team. You might know some missionaries who give up everything. They sell everything that they have and they go off to some foreign land and they give up everything for the sake of people they do not know. They are taking one for the team. And of course, Jesus. Of all the examples we could ever think, Jesus left heaven, comes to the earth, he takes on the human form and he dies on a cruel cross as he's tortured and, and humiliated, and he sacrifices himself for the good of mankind. Jesus took one for the team. In baseball, you might take one for the team. Uh, if you coach, or you're around the sport at all, or you watch it at all, taking one for the team might mean you're in the batter's box, the pitcher throws an inside pitch, and instead of bailing out, you 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 take one for the team, you let it you let that 80, 90 mile an hour fastball nail you in the ribs, or in the leg, or in the shoulder, or on the elbow. You take it for the team so that, boom, you get free, first base, and now you have an opportunity to score a run for the team. You take one for the team. Maybe maybe it's uh, hitting a sacrifice fly ball to the outfield so that the guy on third base can tag up and score. He scores, you get out, you took one for the team. And in battle, we see people taking one for the team. Everybody who is a police officer, especially in our day, is out there for the community, taking one for the team. They are taking one for us. Not only are they in harm's way and risking their lives and and their families, but now they have to deal with hate and, 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 and rudeness from people who simply don't appreciate what they do. They, our police officers, are taking one for the team. And if you join the military, you're in the Army or the Navy or the Marines, you have signed up to take one for the team. And so we see this going on around us in lots of places. My encouragement to you and and to all of us today is this. When it comes to God's team, be willing as a member of the team of God not to get what's yours and get what's coming to you. Forget that. That's, That's not of God's team. That's of the other team. What God wants us to do is to be willing to take one for the sake of everyone else. Take one for the team. And today, God's truth to us is this. God chooses you god chooses you he doesn't just call us he doesn't just throw out an an open blank invitation that everyone is welcome to come even though that is true but he knows you he knows us specifically he knows everything about us isaiah chapter 43 verse 1 says this but now this is what the lord says he who created you jacob he who formed you israel Do not fear, for I have redeemed you. I have summoned you by name. You are mine. Do you see what God says to you and to me through the prophet Isaiah? He says, says, I reached down and I called you specifically. You are my treasure. Greater of greater worth than gold or or any amount of money or, or bank account or investment fund. You are my treasured possession. I died. I set my son Jesus to die on a cross for you. I formed you. Do not be afraid. I redeemed you. I summoned you by name. He knows you by name, and you, he says, are mine. God worked. Through lots of people in the scripture but today I want to talk about a young lady by the name of Esther in the book of Esther she's got her own book chapters 2 to 8 we learn this story about Esther we're going to talk a little bit about Esther points some things out and we're going to be done today Esther Esther was this young woman she was a Jew and she lived in Persia she was in Persia carried off Uh, and one of the uh, exiles into Persia. And she had a a uncle by the name of Mordecai. Mordecai adopted her as his daughter because his brother or her parents had died. And she she was left alone. He brings her into his family and he raises her and he is now like her father. He is her father to her. In Persia, there is a king by the name of Xerxes. King Xerxes. And King Xerxes is a party animal. He loves to have celebrations. He loves to drink, and he loves to get drunk, and he loves to do wild and crazy and stupid things. King Xerxes. There's another man, one of King Xerxes' high officials, whose name is Haman. And Haman is an evil man. He hates anything but himself he is selfish he is part of team scatter and all he wants is what's good for him and then there's Mordecai and there's Esther those two are from the Jewish nation and they are part of God's family and God is going to use them in the story in a big big way but what happens is in Persia because King Xerxes and Haman his right-hand man are in power and all the Jews and everyone else are the peasants, Mordecai and Esther come into the story. They're there in the kingdom. And the Jewish nation is in great danger of being eliminated from the earth because of what transpires in the story. Uh, Mordecai, uh, Mordecai saves the king's life. Haman hates Mordecai. He doesn't like Mordecai because because Haman Haman tricked the king into creating an edict that that everyone should bow to Haman. That if you came into Haman's presence, you are to bow down and kneel and kind of worship Haman. Like that was, that's what he wanted. He wanted that. And so the king went along with this. Well, Mordecai wasn't about to bow down to Haman. He was not going to do it. And so because of that reason and other things, Haman hated Mordecai. He wanted Mordecai gone he wanted Mordecai dead and so he plots this this thing in the story as it begins to evolve, uh, evolve and his goal is to not just wipe out Mordecai but to wipe out Mordecai's people well up to this part in the story they don't understand and they don't realize king Xerxes and Haman do not realize that Esther also Is a Jew they kind of kept that from them they didn't tell that part of her life and so Esther ends up becoming Queen Esther because they have this beauty pageant and uh, uh, Xerxes uh, woman uh, 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 she dies uh, or she doesn't die but she she becomes very corrupt and so he kicks her out of the kingdom and so now there's this vacancy and so to find a new queen Uh, Xerxes has this go looking in in the kingdom for the next queen well God puts Esther in the place of the queen and so she's crowned she becomes queen and there's this whole amazing story of how God uses her and Mordecai to rescue God's people the Jews so let me just point out a couple things to you the first thing that we see is that we are chosen by God. We got that. We're chosen by God. And Esther, for a very special event and occasion in time and in history, is also chosen by God. Queen Esther. And so here's what we discover about Esther. First thing we see in the story as, as it unravels is that Esther, Esther was treasured by God. God not only saw Esther, He, he knew her heart. He knew her humility and he knew her as a person. And and just like Mary, God chose Mary to uh, birth Jesus. And God chose Elizabeth to birth John the Baptist. And all these different people uh, back in um, Zipporah, who birthed Moses, all of these fine women that God looks down and he sees these humble women who are, who are women after the heart of God, that God says, there is somebody I can use for the kingdom of God. They are not full of themselves. They are not unselfish. They are not greedy. They are not Uh, living in the world for worldly things. They are seeking after God's heart. And God can use a man or a woman who does that, who lives like that. God can use in a big way. And so he sees Esther and he treasures Esther greatly because he knows that this is a woman that he can use in a great way. The second thing we see is this. God had a great task. For Esther, the Jews were about to be wiped off the face of the earth because Haman plotted and he tricked the king. He tricked the king into creating an edict because Mordecai would not worship him. That 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 everyone who is a Jew in the kingdom of Persia would be eliminated because they don't honor the king's rules about worshiping Haman, And so not only was Mordecai in danger and Esther in danger, but all of the Jews were in danger. God put in her heart and he put her in a very special place for such a time as this, that she, she would rise up, this humble young lady, and God would use Esther to save his people. But she would have to be willing, she would have to be willing to risk her neck. She would have to be willing to take one for the team. And so here you go, point number three, she is. Esther was willing to do whatever God asked her to do, whatever God said she was willing to do. So here's what I want you to check out. Check out chapter three, in chapter 3, verses eight, uh, 8 and 9, check out what happens. H- Haman, then Haman said to King Xerxes, this goes back to uh, the, the edict to wipe out all the Jews. Haman said to King Xerxes, there is a certain people dispersed among the peoples in all of the provinces of your kingdom. This is Haman, trickery, his, his evilness who keep themselves separate. Their customs are different from those of all other people, and they do not obey the king's laws. It is not in the king's interest, best interest, to tolerate them. Check this out. I mean, this statement, this statement can easily be said today about God's people. That in this world that we live in, there is a group of people who do not pay attention to Satan's laws and rules and this quest for money and and, and power and fame. There are a group of people who keep themselves separate. They are not of the world. They are in the world, but they are not of the world. They don't do what we do. They don't accept our, our customs. We say, we say a person could identify as whatever they want. They don't agree with that. We say marriage can be between anybody and anything. They do not. They separate themselves by their laws, that they follow the laws of God, and they are not following the laws of men. And this very statement is so true today. And, and, and my guess is as we move into the future, this statement is going to become more and more true and the day will come when they will not they will not tolerate christians that the government will not tolerate people anybody who stands up and says the god of all creation says says there are laws that he created that we are to live by they are not going to they are not going to buy into that so this is a powerful statement that haman says to the king in, in an effort to wipe out the Jewish people and, and, um, and Esther, in the midst of this kind of hatred, she could have went along with it. She could have said, well, just just stay under the radar, be quiet, don't stir the boat, don't stir the pot, Don't shake anything up. Just sh- be quiet and just quietly live out your life. You know, Don't bother anybody. Don't post those things on Facebook or Instagram because they're only going to draw attention to you and you're going to be in trouble for them. And so the world would like us to, want either join their wild, hell-bound living or just be quiet. What they do not want us to do is speak up. And so their effort is to silence everyone who doesn't agree with their Anything goes, man telling. But not with Esther. Esther, she is willing to do whatever the Lord God gives her to do. Number four, Esther risked her life for her people. And so what happens as the story uh, goes on, uh, Mordecai uh, tells her about this edict, and she that meant that she must now Approach the king. She has to go in and talk to the king and reveal to the king that she too, first of all, is a Jew and she tries to speak up for all of the Jewish people. But she knows that if the the rule was if you approach the king, you could be killed right then and right there for just approaching the king. Unless you received an invitation to come and talk to the king, you were not allowed to just walk in and talk to the king or make an appointment to talk to the king. And the way that you knew that the king accepted your your desire to talk to him was if he reached out his his um his 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 um scepter or his signet ring, and and that that meant that he allowed you to to speak to him, that he was willing to to give you that opportunity. And so she knew, she knew that by going in and talking to the king, she could be killed right there on the spot. And so what she does, she has this choice to make. Am I going to to just be quiet and just blend in with the rest of the Jewish people, even as a queen, knowing knowing that the Jews were going to be wiped out and it was found out she was a Jew, she too was going to be wiped out and Mordecai was going to be killed as well. She had a decision, do I just be quiet and go along with that or do I step up and approach the king and risk my life? And she does the right thing. Now check this out in chapter 4, verse 15. Here it says, then Esther sent this reply to Mordecai, okay, Go gather. This is after Mordecai said, hey, this is the edict of the king. The Jews are going to be wiped out. Don't think that you're going to escape it there, Esther. If you keep silent, we're all going to go. We're all going to die. Verse 16, go gather together all of the Jews who are in Susa and fast for me. Do not eat or drink for three days, night or day. I and my attendants will fast As you do and when this is done I will go to the king even though it is against the law and she says if I perish I perish now that's that's a lot of bravery now we might think oh that's cool you know I would do that but you're talking about a kingdom you're talking about Persia you're talking about spears and swords and rough rugged wicked people You're talking about a king who's into partying and he doesn't really care that much about anybody but himself and his wealth. He's always showing it off. And so you have a decision that that you're gonna go in and, and make one attempt to save your people, but if it doesn't work, you're probably going to die. You're going to die. Here's what that's called. That's called taking one for the team. Taking one for the team. And the last thing is this, Esther was chosen by God. God saw Esther in this specific place at this specific time when he needed somebody that he could use to spare his people, the Jews, Israel. I mean, that's huge. It's a huge task. And there's this young lady, just like you, just like me, just a normal human being, just honoring God with their life, trying to live their life for the Lord, trying to just be what God has called us to be and who he created us to be, exactly what he wants out of us. And there's Esther, and God chooses Esther, and Esther responds in faith. She responds in faith. That is such a beautiful thing because we just don't see that too much in our world. What we do see is people responding in selfishness. Right? We know what God wants, but we're going to do what we want. We know that God wants us to, to give to his kingdom, to reach the lost, to go into all the world, to take up our position on the field. But we're too busy doing our own thing. Not Esther. Esther's like, God, I want to do whatever it is you want me to do. That's called taking one for the team. Here's the thing. When we get in the game with God, when we say, God, here I am, use me, God, I need Jesus in my life. I surrender to him. I'm a, I, I give my life to him in baptism and I'm born again. I die to myself and I rise to him. We become God's treasured possession. That's what we become. His, his people, his children, again, we're bought back by the blood of Jesus and we are his. And then he wants to do great and exciting and adventurous things through us. It isn't enough. He didn't call us just to be a part of the church, come sit in a pew, go home, go to work, eat, drink, and just go about your life. He called you to an adventure. He called you to a great task. And he wants to use you for his glory. But we must get in the game with God and take up our position. We must take up our position in the kingdom of God. It's not enough for us. It's not enough for you to say, I I believe in God. I believe in Jesus. That is all wonderful. The devil, the demons believe in God. They all believe in Jesus too. So that's nice and wonderful, but it's not enough. We must honor God. We must surrender to the Lord and say, God, use me in a great way in this world and daily cry out, God, your will be done in my life. God, use me for your glory. I hope and pray that you'll know, one, that you're a treasured possession to God, that he loves you, that he sent his son to buy you back, to get you your salvation and your redemption, so that you can be free to live for him again. And then two, I hope and pray that you will seek to not only be on God's team, get in the game, but live out your position, live out your giftedness on this world for the glory of God and for the sake of each other, that you'd be willing to take one for the team. God bless you. Have a great week. love you.